Carlos is here. He is safe and sound. Mom is safe and sound. I'm excited for that. But uh, we also want to pray for the Freeman family. Um, God's God's doing some changes in their life, and and uh, I'll leave it at that. But God knows what's going on, and uh, God answers unspoken requests as well. So God, because God knows the situation. All we got to do is say, "Hey, this person needs your touch, God." So we'll just pray for the Freeman family, and I would ask you to continue to pray for the Freeman family as as God's working and, and changing things in their life. Um, change is not always fun. Um, sometimes it's hard to get used to. And uh, all that being said, just keep them in your prayers. Um, I know God will bring them through all the way and give them strength. Let's pray for these folks, and let's pray for today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house this morning. God, I thank you for this group of folks, Lord, that love you, that love your word. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for Brother Blue and Sister Rini. God, I pray that you would reach down and touch Brother Blue and heal his leg. God, his, his and God, that you would heal completely without any issues, Lord, that God, he could... He can go forward and be able to be used by you as he desires. Lord, I pray for the Freeman family. You know what they're going through, Lord. I pray that you would wrap your arms around them and give them strength today. Lord, let them feel the help of God come upon them this morning. Lord, I thank you for your grace today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Lord, I'm asking that you would meet with us in a mighty way here today. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. <clears throat> We're going to go straight into Hebrews chapter number 12. Just uh, uh, this, this lesson we've been based on, this scripture, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And uh, we've read this scripture many times. I've dissected it many times. I've also brought in salvation from John chapter 3. We've talked about John chapter 3, how Jesus said, except a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If he's not born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. If, he, if he's not born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Um, and just as being born again is essential to my salvation, we also have to have this thing called holiness in our life. Holiness is to be like God. <clears throat> Um, holiness definition is to be set apart and holiness is essential to my salvation after the new birth experience um, every single true believer has a conflict arise in their life and that's between the flesh which is our old sinful nature and our new nature which is the Holy Ghost. It's just a constant battle. And I can promise you that battle is going to rage inside of you from the time you get the Holy Ghost until we hear the trumpet sound and we get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. The flesh must continually be crucified in order that we may live to the Spirit or in obedience and submission to the Spirit. In our struggle to walk with God on a regular basis, we are fighting a battle. I talked about this just a little bit the last week that we taught. 
We are fighting a battle for our souls. Our soul has to be saved. In order to make sure that that soul is saved, we, are, we have been set apart unto God for his kingdom and for his use. We talked about that Wednesday night, in fact. Stephen was a man who God chose because he was a man full of faith and he was full of the Holy Ghost. And inside that man, he allowed the Holy Ghost to be that driving factor that allowed him to grow in God and be used by God in a mighty way. The devil does not want us to be holy because he knows there is a power that is associated with being like God. We are not little gods, don't get me wrong, but we are trying to attain to and be more like him. I can promise you that you and I, Brother Tuffy, you and I, we're never going to be like God. There's no way. Because we have a sinful nature. Our nature in and of itself is sinful. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to tear down that nature and, uh, and allow God's nature to be in control of our life. Um, this battle is a battle for holiness. Uh, we must win this battle in order to be saved. Um, it is going to be work. It's not going to be easy. It's something that we're going to have to work on on a regular basis. Um, the work that we have to do is to crucify the old man. We talked about two dogs warring on the inside. We talked about how one is good, one is evil. And the young man said, hey, how do I know how which one is going to win? And we all know whichever one you feed the most, right? And so if sin continually wins in your life, it's evident, it should be evident to you which dog you're feeding. You're either feeding our sinful side or we're, we're feeding our holy side, whichever side that continues to win. And eventually, if you continue to feed the sinful side, you're going to drive any semblance of holiness in your life out the door. And it, all that's going to live there is the, is the unholy things. Does that make sense this morning? Um, because I, I, you, you think of a glass of water, right? If, if I were to fill this up and I were to try to stick something in it, I've done this with ping pong balls before, where I have a, a, a glass vase that I, that I have full of ping pong balls. And those ping pong balls all represented sin in our life, okay? And that sin is down inside there, but I, I went to an altar, and I, got, I laid all that on the altar, and it's still in there until God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And then I have a pitcher of water that I dump inside that vase full of ping pong balls. Well, you know ping pong ba balls are buoyant, right? They, are, they float. They don't... When, when they get in water, they don't sink. They float on top of the water. So you pour that in there, it shoves all of the ping pong balls up because the water is more dense. Well, that's how the Holy Ghost works. When we get filled with the Holy Ghost initially, God comes in and he goes, I'm dumping all of my stuff inside of you. I'm pouring all of me into you so that I can wash out all of the nastiness that you said you don't want to be a part of anymore. Does that make sense this morning? The thing is, as life goes, that stuff that God put inside of our lives ends up being used up. 
So then we have space for other things to come into our life. I hope this makes sense. And as you're growing in God, or as, as you're going through life, it's imperative that you fill yourself more with God than you do with other things. Because those other things will either take over or they will be shoved out by what the Holy Ghost allows you to feel comfortable in doing. Um, had a young man call me one day uh, after God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he said, Pastor, what do you think about me going out and playing football? I said, well, let me ask you, how do you feel about going out and playing football? And he said, well, I really feel odd about it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, every time I think about it and every time I pray about it, I feel like I shouldn't go play. And I said, well, you need to do what you feel. Because that new Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you is trying to talk to you about that situation. And that's something he doesn't want you doing. And so you need to not do it. You need to follow the leading of the Spirit. And so it is in our lives when God begins to deal with us about things in our life, we need to be willing to say, okay, God, I want to be attentive. I want to be listening to the voice of heaven. And I want you to reach down on the inside of me. I want you to talk to me about things that are detrimental to my soul and change me and make me who you want me to be. And he will. Just know, if you're not being serious about it, don't ask him for it. Because he, he'll take you serious. Um, somebody said one time, um, they, they came to their pastor and they were fussing and, and faunching at the bit saying, Pastor, all this is happening and this is happening. And it's just trying my patience. The, the person said, and the pastor looked at him and said, well, let me ask you a question. Did you ask God to help you? Gain more patience? And they said, oh, yeah. And the pastor said, well, you probably need to mean it when you ask God for it. Because he will help you. He will, you want to grow? God will help you grow. But there are some things that he, he may ask you to change. Or he may let you go through some things to see, hey, are you willing to be tried? Let me say this. I've had people tell me, well, why would God try us? Why would he try us? Well, let me ask you something. If you, if you were a silversmith and you wanted pure silver, the silver that you get out of the mines isn't pure until you do what? You put it in the fire. And what happens in the fire? In order to make that silver pure, you got to get it really hot. You got to melt it, which isn't, think about you in the fire in a, in a melting pot. That's not comfortable stuff. But the end result is what's called the dross or the, the impurities of the silver begin to separate and float to the top. And you're able to scoop out the nastiness that is making the silver impure. And when it's all said and done, when you turn the fire off, you got pure silver now. Sometimes God wants to make sure that we have all the impurities out so that he can have our lives as pure as silver. That's in the scripture, by the way. You go read in the Old Testament. There are one of the prophets, I can't remember which one right now off the top of my head, but he talks about how that God, God's going to, to strain the dross or the impurities out of the silver of his people. And, and he talked about it. And he said, look, 
It's not going to be comfortable. But when he's done, you will be pure. You will be holy unto God. I want to be holy to God. I want to be faithful to God. Um, sanctification is an ongoing process. Sanctification begins at new birth. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, when God fills, it fills you with his spirit, evidenced by speaking in another tongue, when God does that, now sanctification has begun. But sanctification does not finish or the act of being sanctified. Does that make sense? You are being changed. To be sanctified is to be cleansed, to, to be challenged, all right? And so God has begun the sanctification process at new birth. And it continues until he returns. Amen. Resistance comes from our carnal mind and our carnal nature. Both of these things have to be brought into submission to the Holy Ghost. This is why Paul told the church in Romans, in verse chapter 8, verse number 7, he said this, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And so we have here the fact that my carnal mind, the things that I think of, um, if I allow carnality to take place in my life and allow my mind to think on those things, this is where it's, it's very important for us to be careful what we allow to come into our lives, what we allow to come into our eyesight, all right? If I'm watching things that are sinful and I'm entertained by those things, Jesus said that we are just as guilty as the ones doing the act of sinning. Does that make sense this morning? I don't want to be entertained by the sinful. I want to make sure that whatever's coming on the inside of me. In fact, my brother a few months ago was teaching here about the window of the soul. And the window of the soul is our eyes. The scripture calls it that very thing. And as, as you begin to look at things and you allow them to come on in the inside of you, you begin to allow those things to determine what you think about and what you dwell upon. And uh, before long, if you're not careful based on what things you're allowing yourself to bring in, then um, your, your mind can become carnal. And what Paul said was the word enmity in this verse simply means the enemy of. So we could literally have said the carnal mind is the enemy of God. All right? And so that's why it says at the end, it is not subject to God. It is not under God. It is not obedient to God. And neither can be. So personal holiness I want to make this very clear. Personal holiness is voluntary. It's voluntary. It cannot be pushed upon you. You, my friend, must desire to become holy as God is holy. This is where I have a lot of problems with people trying to come in and saying, Hey, you've got to live this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And if you don't, you're not going to go to heaven. Well, here's my thing. Some of what they're saying is absolutely correct, but if God hasn't revealed these things through the preaching, through his word, through prayer, you with me today? If that hasn't happened, 
God hasn't pushed these things upon you. Now, there are some things that you don't, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to backpedal. I just want you to understand there are some things that are non-negotiable with God. We're not crossing the line. And so we want to make sure that, hey, we, we need these things in our lives. But there is some things that we have, like the Pharisees, churches have put together saying, hey, you have to live like this if you want to be pleasing to God. When in reality, is it the truth? I've said this before. I mean, as I mentioned, I don't know what night I mentioned this, but there was a preacher who actually got up to his people and said this. It's on the Internet. He broadcast it live. He told his church, he said, look, if you're not prospering it and you aren't living a blessed life, then there's sin in your life. Where did that come from in the scripture? It's not there. Yeah, God told Abraham that he could he would go out and prosper and that God would bless those that blessed him and curse them that cursed him. But that God didn't promise him wealth and riches. The blessings of the Bible doesn't doesn't always imply that you're going to be rich. Can I get an amen? But at the end of the day, the blessings of God are the blessings that last for eternity. I, I was talking to Brother Mendez the other night, and I, I just told him, I said, Brother, it disturbs me that among church folks, even, that we think that we have to have the best of the best. And my friend, I'm sorry, I can't live that way. If God blessed me with something, I'm going to do my best to bless somebody else with that. In fact, one, one, uh, one elder in my life, he, he, he made this statement. He said, you know, we need to be the funnel of God's blessings. If God blesses you, it ought to just come into you and you just extend it out to somebody else. You know why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. And he that gives cheerfully will come back to him, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And so at the end of the day, is God going to continue to bless us if we're blessing others? 100%. You know why? Because God found a funnel in which he can take and he, he could use for his glory. Because when we're, we're not living a lavish life, does that mean we have to be poor all the time? I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is we need to be good stewards of what God gives us. I'm sorry, going out and buying hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of clothing, in my mind, is, is outlandish. And Brother Tuffy asked me one night, he said, what about suits? Should we, 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 should we, 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 should we, we, oh my goodness. Should we be wearing nice clothes like this? My answer to that is, I think the most expensive suit I've ever bought was like $175. Because I don't believe in going out there and buying these high dollar designer suits. You know why? Because I know the kingdom of God could use that extra money to do other things. 
if I can bless the church or if I can bless somebody in the church with that extra money that I have, I'm going to do my best to do that. Hey, my closet is full of suits from the thrift store. Not the thrift store, but from Savers. It is a thrift store, but it's not called the thrift store. Yeah, and I found some great things there. And guess what? I'll still do it. I'm not going out to buy a Lamborghini if I get rich, folks. I'm just not going to do that. Why? What's that Lamborghini going to do me? Not a thing. If I can take those things, this is a part of holiness. This is what I'm trying to get across is these things about holiness. Yes, it's important how we look on the outside. We need to be modest. You guys understand modesty, right? We want to be modest. We don't want to be consistently walking around showing us, showing our bodies off. Number one, we're not trying to bring glory to our body. I don't care how beautiful your body is. Does that make sense? God didn't create us for us to receive glory. He created us to give glory to him. That's why, that's why I hold to, that's why you see my family, we're not, we're not always walking around with revealing clothing because, number one, you don't want to see this. <laughs> but number two, I want, when people look at me, in my family, I want them to see Jesus in, in humility. It's exactly right. It's not, about, it's not about who I am and what I have done. It's about who he, ha- who he is and what he has done. Does that make sense? Cast a crown, sing a song, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done, not because of what I've done. Because of who you are, I am a flower quickly fading. Look, sometimes God uses us just like Stephen in, in Acts chapter number 6. He used Stephen. Stephen had a short span of ministry. We don't read much else about Stephen. You know why? Because Stephen was martyred right there for standing for the truth. But you know what happened? Because of Stephen... Brother Tuffy, Paul began to be convicted for the lifestyle that he was living. And you get to chapter 9, and you see where Paul is knocked off of his horse onto the ground and blinded. And before chapter 9 is over, Paul is filled with the Holy Ghost, and he is doing his best to make amends for the wrong things that he had done. And we have two-thirds of the New Testament because of Stephen, who was willing to allow God to use him. So let me ask you a question. All of us under the sound of my voice, and maybe those listening to this later, let me ask you a question. Are you willing for God to use you even if it's just for a week's time? I'm not saying that's how long it was for Stephen. All I'm saying is, Are you willing to be used if it's a short time or if it's a long time? My mind says, God, if you're done with me tomorrow, 
I will have been satisfied knowing that I was able to follow the leading of your spirit up until this time. Amen. I'm not looking to get wealthy. I'm not looking to become rich. I'm not looking to become famous. Now, I have taken some flack because I didn't put my name on our church sign, and I'm still thinking about it. i got to get that church sign done in the next week or two. In fact, I should have some extra time while I'm traveling this week. But the thing is, I've had people say, well, why haven't you put your name on the sign? Because to me, I'm not building a church for me. But then somebody reprimanded me and said, well, how are they going to know who the pastor is and who they're looking for? So there's that fine balance, right? But guess what? If I do put my name on the sign, it's going to be really small. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be as big as the sign, the church name and, and the contact information. Does that make sense? I'm not here to be, <laughs> this is, here's what triggered this thought in my mind was when they came here to install our water, the water guys, they said, so what are you going to try to become a, a Joel Olstein right here in the middle of nowhere? I looked at him, I said, no, no, sir, if, if I'm ever compared to Joel Osteen, I'm going the wrong direction. It's not what this is about, folks. I don't want to be known by my name. But I want to be known as, hey, that pastor loves people. That pastor loves how, and he reaches out, and he, he, he helps folks. I don't want to be known for my speeches. I want to be known as a good man, but I also want to be known as a prayer warrior, one who knows how to get a, God, a hold of God. Because, Sister Veronica, there's one thing I know. I don't have all the answers, but I do know the one who does. And when I'm approached, I don't want to be, I don't want to have this lavish um, explanation. I just want to know I've heard from God. And this is what he told me to tell you. Because I believe God works that way. I have no doubt God works that way. He worked that way throughout the scripture. He didn't. The Bible still says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, God said this. He said, I am the Lord. In me, no, there is no variance. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Amen. God is faithful. So personal holiness is voluntary. God's going to reveal it to you. But if you don't do anything with it, now number one, you're not going to make it to heaven. I can say that with a surety because of our, our first verse we read today. Without holiness, we're not going to see the Lord. So if you don't take the personal holiness that God has revealed to you, and he can reveal it through a number of ways, right? Through prayer, through your own consecration, time of consecration. Or he'll speak to you through the pulpit. A preacher will preach the word, and God will speak to your heart. Amen? And number three is just simply reading the Bible. God will bring revelation if you will read the word. Ain't that right, Brother Tucker? <laughs> it's true. I can't emphasize reading the word of God enough. God is able to change us if we will let him. The key word is let. 
We don't let him. I've said it this way often. If you go to Revelation, I think it's chapter 6, and you read about the church of Laodicea. What happened at the church of Laodicea? You know, God could have went to that church. He, he proclaimed judgment upon that church. All right? But the thing is, he said at the beginning of his letter to the church of Laodicea, the, the church that ended up getting the judgment of God put upon it, he said this to them. He said, Behold, I am standing at the door, and I'm knocking. What does that imply? He's looking to get in. Does God have the power to bust his way through? Could God wreak havoc upon those people? Could he change them? But he chose just to stand outside and knock. You know why? Because he's limited. That's it. He's a gentleman. And he, that's right. And if you don't, he's not, he's not satisfied with it. But he has limited himself to what we allow him to do. Well, glory. He is faithful. It's only through our submission to his spirit and our obedience to the word of God that we can change our nature. Obedience. He told in the Old Testament, Samuel, prophet Samuel told King Saul, he said, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice. Better than sacrifice. I'm not, I'm not going to delve into that, but the carnal mind also refuses to submit to the law of God. You exactly what but don't forget because when God asked me to do something he fully expects obedience that's it and when you obey you say well I'm going to take my time I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice and you can make it spiritualized and my friend I don't care how spiritualized you make the things that your your excuses if you're not in obedience to the word of God and what God has asked you to do, God wants nothing to do with you. Do you know what he said? He said rebellion. He correlated what Saul did to rebellion. You know what rebellion is? It's simply, go ahead, disobey. That's it. Rebellion says, hey, I know what you want me to do, but I'm not doing it. It's really that simple. <laughs> and you know what? Your kids, when they get into rebellion, we, we, we make it this whole horrible thing. But look, rebellion is literally, you tell your kids to go clean their room, and they look at you and say, no, I'm not going to. My friend, that's rebellion. And when God says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to go do these things and I fully expect you to obey everything I just told you and you come back and it's half done, you didn't obey him. 
Therefore, he said, I can't trust you to do what I'm asking you to do. And Paul said, Saul, not Paul, this is a totally different guy, King Saul said, hey, look. And then he even tried to blame other people for his disobedience. Mm-hmm. They said, the people, Samuel, Samuel, the people constrained me. No, they didn't. Didn't take much constraint, sir. You weren't willing to obey God wholeheartedly. It sounded good. There was another young man, and I'm going to shut this down with this. There was another young man. Maybe you'll remember this story. I just finished reading it a couple weeks ago where God told the prophet to go and tell the king such and such and speak to the king, but don't talk to anybody else and don't tarry, but get back to where you came from. Go talk to the king and get out of there. It wasn't Jeremiah because Jeremiah stayed alive. But what happened was this prophet obeyed God. He went and he went and spoke to the king and as he was leaving town, an old man stopped him and said, hey, are you a prophet of God? But it didn't align with what God had already told him. But he, huh? Yeah, he just killed him. As he left that old prophet, yes, he was an old prophet. The Bible says it. He got devoured by a lion as he left that prophet's house. Why did it happen? He didn't obey. He wouldn't have. But I believe. I believe that. But I also believe that God sent that lion there. Because God said, hey, you're. That's potential. It's potential, but I believe it was the judgment of God. And there, there was, there's more than just that story. More than just that one. Because of disobedience. Loaded with it. We have plenty of examples to look to. Are we willing and able to apply these things to our life? Is the question. Am I willing to obey? just a four-letter word, but it is hard to apply sometimes because as Brother Mendez says it so often to me, he's like, Pastor, if God says it, I don't care what it sounds like. If it makes no sense, I'm going to obey. Thank God for that attitude, but the key is how, how often does God tell us stuff that absolutely makes sense to our minds right off the bat? I'll just tell you, in my lifespan, 
every time that God's changed something or, or, or worked on something in my life or moved me in different areas, right in that moment, there was no logical reason for me to do what I wanted to, what I felt like God wanted me to do. But God made a way. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. When we bought this building, I just drove by it one day and I said, you know what? That'd be a good place for us to have a church. And then people started telling me how all the horror stories of all the people that owned the building before us, they couldn't get permits and clearance to have church or, or even open a business or whatever because there's not enough property for parking. And then later on they tell me that they shouldn't have ever given us occupancy in this building because we don't have enough room to park cars for the amount of space that we have in the building. But guess what? In a moment. God worked it out to where we got a unanimous vote from the council saying occupancy's good. We were, we were approved to start having church in this building. God did that. When they went back and looked at it again, they said, hey, sorry, you, if, if we were to vote it again, you would not get occupancy. So you can't tell me God didn't do that. But I'll say this, it was because we were obedient to God, and we moved when God said, go. And I had more trouble getting the clearance to do things here than I had to get the building. God bless us. I, we only paid $3,000 for this property. So the church owes $0 to anybody except for the electricity. God's been good to us, and God can be good to you as well, as long as we stay obedient to him. Amen. Let's, uh, let's, let's get ourselves refreshed here this morning, and let's spend some time in prayer. And we're going to start church here in about 30 minutes. I want to have Holy Ghost move in this place today. Amen. Let's, let's spend some time talking to the Lord.